how long has this been going on? This thing. Four episodes, huh? Hi, I'm Dean Armitage, and I'm here to warn you that the following podcast contains spoilers for the movie Get Out. If you haven't seen it yet, you might want to watch it. It's divine. And by the way, I'd have warned you about spoilers for a second time, if I could. Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Gareth Slade, and this week's movie is 2017's Get Out. So, dear listeners, sit in your favourite comfy chair, take a moment to behold the coagula, and let's get Diabolical. Hello and welcome to this week's pod. Joining me as always are the panel of peril who will compete at the show's close to see who can improve the villainous plan of the week the best and earn the right to pick next week's film and become host. If you find gents would introduce yourselves and tell me what your favourite horror film or series is, please. And we're going in birthday to order this time. <gasps> so it's the same as it always is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did that on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh god, we need to keep that in. We need to keep that in. Yes, it should stay. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I'm the eldest. My name is Adam Turner, and my favourite horror film is The Thing. Mm, Very nice. Uh, I'm Craig Morris, and I would you Adam and Eve it. My favourite horror film is also The Thing, the John Carpenter one, which was in 1982, was it? I think 1982. Correct. I'm Ben Steinson, and my favourite horror movie is The Shining. It's a very good film. For my part, my favourite horror film is Evil Dead 2, and my favourite horror film series is the Evil Dead series. Gaz just uh, shortened podcast to pod. That was pretty 2022, wasn't it? That's... uh... That's a whack shit right there. <laughs> Is that what you meant by pod? Sorry, I'm just catching up. I wasn't sure what you meant. It's a coffee pod it's referring to. Uh, I thought <laughs> Craig went straight back to the Poddington Peas. <laughs> Down at the bottom of the garden. No <laughs> birds and the bees. bees. There lives a lot of little people. They call the Sladington Peas. <laughs> Get Out was released in the distant past of 2017, Jordan Peele's motion picture directorial debut, and it would gross $255.5 million against a budget of $4.5 million. It would also go on to win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for Peele, the Ray Bradbury Award, Empire Magazine's Award for Best Horror, and the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Direction for Peele. Also in 2017, Satan incarnate Donald Trump was inaugurated as United States President. The Nintendo Switch is released, and the Walt Disney Company announces that it will acquire most of 21st Century Fox. Grim. Do you think we might be alienating some of our um, demographic there, slightly? Fuck (laughs) (laughs) him. I've had a look, and we've got... 87% 87% MAGA is our following <laughs> at the moment. They identify as MAGA, do they? Yeah. Okay. 
In Get Out, Daniel Kalia's Chris Washington is subjected to the anxiety of being one of the only African-Americans present at his girlfriend's affluent white parents' holiday home and is subjected to the kind of social horror that we four will likely never experience. But could there be a more sinister motive behind the Armitage family's social gathering? One involving hypnotism, sunken places, and body swapping? Yeah, yeah, there is. Oh, fuck. I think I've watched the wrong film. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch Ace Ventura again? <laughs> what did you watch? Get Carter. That's what I watched. <laughs> you just stopped reading at the first word. But I'll do. <laughs> I've never seen Get Carter. No, I watched the Fantastic Get Out for the second time and immediately sort of felt like I should have seen it more than twice because it's so great. But the thing for me with second viewing of a movie is that i'll start like really super analyzing it and you know i'll I'll, obviously knowing what's coming picking up on a lot of the sort of the the ways that they embed what's coming but also the the main thing that i picked up on is the frequency of microsoft windows product placement the windows phones the laptops and the thing that you only ever see in movies which is characters using bing instead of google to look things up (laughs) which was uh, a lot of fun for me uh, I noticed that during the the Bing search for Andre, some of the results include details on how to feed a dog, which is some movie <laughs> magic there for you. Shows you how accurate Bing is. Exactly. But yeah, it's uh, it's a fantastic, not just fantastic horror movie, but obviously brilliant social commentary. And it's uh, just such a strong directorial debut as well. It's really, uh, it's got a, a style, it's really confident. Yeah, and I enjoyed it a lot. It's interesting you say about the second viewing because that's often, I find, the thing with films. You you can either love or hate something or be indifferent the first time around, but when the second time is where you you form what will go on to be your opinion. Mm -hmm. And the first time I watched Get Out, I was primed to love it because I I loved the concept and the trailers. But the, the twist of what was going along just made me go, what? It was too weird for me at the time. Too weird for you? For me? Even for me? That's bonkers. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, from from the second viewing onwards, I was like, okay, yeah, no, it it is as fantastic as I hoped it would be. Yeah, and there there is a lot of things to to notice on multiple viewings within the film. Jordan Peele, he he designed it to be layered, didn't he? Uh, I got mm. to read enough yeah. about it and he said there was a lot kind of purposely built in with future viewings in mind. Mm. He wanted people to come back to it in 20 years and still be finding things, he said. Yeah, and you can tell, even if you didn't know from watching this, that he's a, you know, a cinephile. There's a lot of references to other movies in it. Specifically horror, apparently. Yeah, kind of a love letter to movies in general and, and the horror genre. Yeah, well, I agree. It was It was a fantastic film. I haven't really been watching new films for about five, ten years. Mm-hmm. I think my attention span, like everyone else, has just shortened and, yeah, and yeah, TV episodes yeah. have kind of found the sweet spot. But uh, this was great. It made me uncomfortable. It made me scared. It was a cliche, but it was a, it was a roller coaster. I really enjoyed it. So thank you for uh, introducing it. That's a pleasure. What, what was your first reaction to the reveal of what was uh, happening at the house? I thought it was going to be a standard kind of a lynching situation. That's why mm. I thought it was going. Yeah. I, I guessed the twist with the uh, with the daughter. That one I thought was pretty pretty nailed on. I knew that that turn was coming, but I did not expect it to be a brain swapping <laughs> exercise. Yeah, my jaw was on the floor at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts? To me, it felt like uh, it was like. 
it could have been a remake of like a really badly done 80s B movie or something like that, where, you know, you, you can imagine the sort of tone it would have taken back then. And it would probably would have been considered massively sort of racist by, by today's standards. I just felt like it was like something they'd, they'd taken an idea and then brought it bang up to date. And it's like, it's like, like Craig Surrey said, it's a social commentary, but it's very, it's of its time and, and it will, people will go back to it and just be reminded what we're going through and we're still going through now is people trying to accept people from different uh, ethnic minority groups and stuff in the Western world and things like that. But yeah, I just, I thought the whole brain swapping thing was, was something taken out of like a hammer horror type thing really. And then just brought bang up to date. It's very Twilight Zone, isn't it? And Jordan Peele's rebooted Twilight Zone. I've not caught any of it. The interesting thing from like a white perspective, I guess, is that the racism that you see is mainly like the kind of the casual sort of pro-black racism that a lot of people don't realize that they're being racist when they're like touching people's hair, touching their arms without permission. You know, the the whole black is in fashion uh, comment that, that happens in the movie. Picking up on something that Turner said about it, it could have been a, a remake. The the thing that struck me, uh, and this is like particularly interesting when you remember that Catherine Keener is in both, is how similar the concept is to being John Malkovich. Uh, obviously, in that they're harvesting uh, Mal- the Malkovich uh, as their vessel for immortality. Also, I, I noticed that in Rose's bedroom, you know, when he finds all of her photographs. She's got a tiny door in her bedroom. That's got to be a nod to Malkovich, surely. I didn't catch that. Yeah, tiny door in the room, Catherine Keener. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it could have just been the house that they'd hired out to shoot in. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I I thought it was more like a thing to like the people under the stairs type thing where, you know, there's like a little door there and they sort of find stuff there. Or it could be like a a servant's hatch type thing where they walk between the walls because they've got wall space in most old American homes, haven't they? Is that what you were driving at? Me. He's not even listening to you. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like uh, there's, there's an old horror film, like The People Under the Stairs, and there's like, uh, mm. like he's, yeah. Ah, yeah, right, yeah. the film, yeah. yeah. So what was your favourite line, gang? This is my favourite part. All right. Well, apart from the whole section about Jeffrey Dahmer, which is incredible, my favourite line is... Uh, and the timing of it is important. I mean, I told you not to go into that house. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. He has all the best lines, doesn't he? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Oh, he's, yeah he's, my favourite line is from him. They didn't get a chance to jiggle shit because their head was off their fucking body. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was, um, I'm the T-S motherfucking A. We handle shit. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. All, all, all of our favorite lines from the same character. Yeah, well, he got, he got the best. He was the comic relief, wasn't he? So, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Hmm. I had a very similar line to, to Turner with the TSA. Keeping on coming up, he says, uh, that TSA shit is tingling. I'm going to record <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> like he's fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> Crazy. He's not just comic relief, though, as he performs a proper narrative function as the person that actually does know what's going on, as it turns out. Yeah, but it does relieve tension. Well, he's kind of the everyman, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, that wasn't the original ending, right? Oh, yes. I watched the alternate ending. It is 
Quite different. And so he wasn't involved in the alternate ending at all, right? Have you read what it is, Stoner? Or seen it? Yeah, it's a thump in the stomach. Yeah, it really is. The, the alternate ending is in the, the long drag towards the house. When Chris strangles Rose, he does strangle her to death. Uh, she dies. The police car then shows up and there are police in the car who get out and uh, arrest him. And Chris is in jail for murder. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's that, That's the ending that I expected. That's what I that's thought what was going to happen. happen, didn't we? Yeah. Well, that was the kind of social commentary, wasn't it? And mm. But they, they said after, after they did some testing with it, it was, a, it was just like a gut punch for everyone. It's too much. That's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the thing is, because the, the TSA buddy shows up in a police car and you think that's what's going to happen anyway, then you, you don't need that to happen because you've already processed that in your mind. So it's like it's kind of becomes redundant then and the, the the ending we have is more satisfying definitely i think it would have been like big anti-climax if that was the ending i'm surprised that you saw the rose turn coming i didn't the first time i watched it and one of the creepiest things i've ever seen in a movie is her eating dry fruit loops with a glass of milk that's the behavior of a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. And it's also followed by her on the phone. Her voice is emoting properly, but her face is completely yeah, blank. Yeah, she's great. And that, I, I think it's so freaky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how she managed to play yeah, that. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Apparently when she was on set and she had a hair tied back, that was when she was in, they, they called it row-row mode, like crazy rose mode. Okay. And she would be like on set and no one would speak to her because she was she was right in that kind of, in that character. Well, uh, it was worth it because she's fantastic. What was your favourite scare in the film? It was when the granddad's running at Chris <laughs> in the garden. That freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> there was a different payoff to that originally um, towards the close of the film. I don't know whether you read about that no i'm not sure whether they shot it or not but originally he was going to catch up with chris chasing him down the driveway and just say i finally caught you jesse referring to jesse <laughs> Owens, who he lost the race to yeah but jordan peele said yeah it was a bit on the nose <laughs> so that's why that one went but yeah it is fantastic yeah it is just like what the fuck is going on it's just that the turn at the last moment it was crazy yeah I'd agree, I'd say that's my favourite, but the one that made me actually jump, even though I'd seen it, this was the second viewing, is just before that, when the grandma's passing in the background, and it has that little music sting. I properly got out of my seat yeah, for a second. classic horror, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any favourite scares, Turner? They've named two pretty good ones there. I was, I was going to say uh, the the, um, the the maid going around in the background was probably just classic. That's what I like. I like the ones that uh, jolt you out of a uh, sort of sense of comfort, sort of like, oh, just going for a fag. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Yeah. So. One of my favourites is actually the opening sequence with um, Lakeith Stanfield. Mm. Um, it's just the use of Rum Rabbit, Rum Rabbit, mm, yeah. which of course comes back later. Uh, it's it's um, genuinely unsettling, yeah. I think, and then you get the payoff later on with him being the old man. It's uh, yeah, that would be mine. What I would say is, um, if anybody on the panel or any of our listeners enjoyed Get Out and they haven't seen us, Jordan Peele's follow up, that is well worth a watch. Also, and check out the trailer for Nope, his third film, which is out this summer. That looks like it's going to be a cracker too. Yeah, absolutely bonkers trailer. I saw the trailer first and wanted to see it. There's one we haven't got around to yet, but um, I watched uh, 
gout with uh, with a partner Emma, and she really enjoyed it. So that's not often that happens. <laughs> how how did Dylan feel about it? He loves Get Out. We've we've watched it two or three times together. I think even Becky likes uh, Get Out, and she is she hates horror films. They terrify her as a general rule, but she she likes Get Out. As she wasn't so fond of because that's more of a pure trying to scare the shit out of your horror film, but. Family favourite, apart from our, our youngest, who uh, I would not show this film just yet. No. <laughs> what did you think of the villainous plan of Get Out? Well, uh, hold on to your hats, because this film gets a seven Florist of Broccoli rating. Holy Ooh, man. A new, new benchmark. We don't know what it's out of still, and maybe we never will. <laughs> <laughs> but that's three higher than Goldfinger. Yeah. And four higher than Demolition Man and Ace Ventura. Streaking into the lead. I thought the plan was pretty dastardly. It was smart. It was well thought out. Everyone seemed to like enjoy their part in it, even Rose. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty solid plan. I can see why they were quite confident in it. I think a lot of the failures of it are down to chance, but I'll get into that a bit more when I'm discussing my plan. But yeah, it was uh, evil and very clever. I think, you know, the, the fatal flaw at the end of it was Rose keeping a, a photograph of every single person that she'd lured mm. to the house. Yeah. If that hadn't have been there, would Chris have gotten away? Oddly sentimental of her as well. Mm. Why did you say that? Because he was caught. He was in his chair. Yeah, but I don't know. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but he would have been caught easier. The only change I'd made to that plan is to have a a belt around Chris's chest so he can't bend down and put the fluff in his ears. Mm. That's how he must have done it, right? Because his hands were strapped. That's a pretty yeah. hard bend, that. I can't do it. Well, maybe he does yoga. I guess that they weren't it's anticipating... flexible rib cage. Yeah. They weren't anticipating <laughs> that he would find the stuffing inside another couch. Yeah, but how did he get in his freaking ears, Craig? Did it, well, Maybe he's got Prince ribs, got the bottom ones taken out. Well, he reaches down to there, doesn't he? He reaches down that far. If I've got my hand strapped to the desk here. I can do that. I think um, it's his anxiety about his um, mother's uh, hit and run that saves him in the end because he develops that unconscious tick of picking away at whatever chair he's in. You see it when he's a kid, you see it when he's in therapy. So um, I guess he smokes because of that too. So it's that that saves him because nobody else would have got through the, the arm of the chair to the stuffing. That's why he's the one who got away. It's a good reel. It's a clever, clever reveal of... Uh avoiding the hypnotism yeah 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 it's very good now this is the part of the show where our panel of peril compete for the title of this week's most diabolical and with it the honor of choosing next week's movie and hosting the show the armitage's plan successful until the close of the film was to harvest human beings in order to cheat death, illness, and sundry afflictions. Fellas, let's see what you've got this week. I have improved in a certain regard. Anyway, I did have a, um, a three-word plan for Demolition Man, which was eat uh, you know, poison rat burgers. I've managed to one-up myself on that regard, and I've managed to get it down to two words. Other words, get out. <laughs> no. <laughs> get in? <laughs> Stay out. <laughs> it's abduct hobos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's as simple as it comes. There you go. 
masterful. So next up then, we have Ben Steinson. I am well known for simple plans. Simplicity is my is my buzzword. So my plan begins in an airport lounge. My beautiful daughter, who I apparently have no problem pimping out, sits awaiting her prey, a pilot. She seduces him or her or they or them, and thus begins a relationship. As they fall deeper in love, my daughter suggests a casual trip to meet her parents. Once the pilot arrives, my arch-wife hypnotizes him, her, or they. So far, so same. But here's the twist. And there is a twist. The rest of the weekend goes smoothly, and the pilot leaves more in love with my daughter than ever. The new work week begins, and the pilot says goodbye to my daughter, who tearfully explains how much she'll miss him, or her, or they, or them. She begs the pilot to keep his, her, their phone on so they can exchange messages while they're apart. Then once the pilot is up in the air with a plane full of people, we send a message to the pilot triggering the behavior my wife programmed. The pilot changes course, heading straight for the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Upon reaching the triangle, the pilot turns off all plane comms and performs an emergency landing in the ocean. My boats are on hand to rescue slash harvest the hundreds of passengers who are transported and imprisoned ready for sale to the highest bidder. What about the authorities, I hear you cry? No government in the world would dare send their rescue teams to the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) It would be a suicide mission. So they would call off the search immediately. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. (laughs) What do you base uh, your claim that no government in the world would dare (laughs) send anybody to the Bermuda Triangle on? Um, a number of years of uh, unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Where are these hundreds of people that you're harvesting being kept prior to operation? I'm assuming it's the same sort of brain swap operation. Yeah, yeah, it'd be the brain swap operation. That was working mm. well. So I can't knock that part of it. Yeah. I figure if that whole house has a basement, which I assume it does, because it's huge, there'd be plenty of room for... Uh, for cells. Hundreds of cells there? Oh, they wouldn't be kept one by one. I'd jam them in. <laughs> like sardines. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's have yours then, Craig. In thinking about this plot, I'm thinking about what do they want? What do they want, the Armitages? What, what is their reason for doing this? And I think the things that they want, they want money because they're auctioning off the, the bodies and they want immortality. They've done it for their parents already. Presumably when the time comes, they'll be swapping into new bodies themselves. So if that's what they want, how do they go about getting it? They use the powers at their disposal, which are hypnosis and neurosurgery. And with that in mind, what goes wrong for them? Where, where are the places that their plan fail? So obviously we've talked about Chris being a bit of a wild card here, stuffing his ears with couch filling. You can't really anticipate that. So, you know, first I was thinking, do I just have only plastic chairs in my house? No, I don't know he's going to pick apart the couch. I don't know that yet. Can't anticipate that. So that's not my plan, okay? Do I use a chemical sedative instead of hypnosis? No, my wife's the hypnotherapist. The one who, she's got to be part of the plan. I've got to give her something to do. I can't. I'm not, I'm not going to that. Don't think about that, okay? The camera flashes that allow the mind to be freed. I can't do anything about that. The camera flashes, I can't. What am I, I'm going to change the... I, no, I'm not going to change how cameras work, okay? <laughs> so, apart from that, what are the things that give this plot away? Well, missing persons can be recognized, right? So if somebody goes missing, 
for instance, is it DeAndre, the, the guy's called in this? They, they recognize it. It's a fluke that they recognize him, but someone's looking for him, right? And someone could recognize him at any point. And then there's the erratic behavior of these people. If anyone does run into them and suddenly they're talking like a, an ancient white guy, something's going on there. Even if you don't know who you're looking at and who the other person is, that combination of those two things seems out of place to everyone right away. So with that in mind, my plan is, well, first of all, I'm keeping the secret within the family. Having these sort of public auctions and anyone can come along and recognize anybody is, is too much of a risk. So for the sake of the immortality, I'm keeping it within the Armitage family. It's just us that are going to benefit from this. So how do I make my money? Well, I work my way from person to person in a chain that leads to Robert Pattinson. Now, we don't know how this happens. Maybe the first person we seduce is the current beau of FKA Twigs, and then we get her under. He, she's got Pattinson's number. We get to him eventually, is the, is the thing here. Now, why Robert Pattinson, you ask? Well, he's young, and he looks after himself. So, you know, there's a body you can get into right away. He's already rich. He's one of the richest people under 35. He's really super rich, so I don't need to auction people. I've got a lot of money already now, okay, yeah? And uh, the greatest thing about Robert Pattinson Nobody questions my erratic behavior when I go into his body because he's a bit nuts, isn't he? He's quite erratic himself. Give me some examples of Robert Pattinson's erratic behavior. Doesn't shower. He comes out with really strange things in interviews uh, that people wouldn't expect. Uh, doesn't shower. Yeah, he doesn't shower, apparently. A lot of people yes. say he stinks. Yeah. How would you explain, bear in mind, Robert Pattinson's hair is usually quite kind of sticky up, uppy. isn't it? It's yeah. a sticky uppy hairstyle. Yeah. Are you going to explain that line across your forehead? You know, the big scar? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also is not averse to wearing a beanie. You know, so, so that's it. That's just, just the rest swear. of your life. Yeah. And if people ask... Even when the sun's If up. people ask about it, I'll just go, oh, yeah, I really like a beanie. And no, <laughs> nobody will press me on that any further. Or I'll say that I was in a, you know, a skiing accident, something like that. Whatever rich actors do. There's a slight flaw in your plan, I'm afraid, okay. which is that Robert Pattinson is Batman, so he would definitely escape. No, the, what you're forgetting is that Robert Pattinson isn't Batman. He plays Batman <laughs> in a film. I think that he went so method as a man who is trying to be a bat that it will stay with him for his whole life. In fact, if you look at some of the press he's done for it, he's, he's not method at all, doesn't do method. I disagree with what he said. <laughs> yeah, I just I disagree with that too because I I saw there was a shot in the recent um, Hello magazine there was like a paparazzi shot and he was carrying around some uh, shark repellent it's called bat shark repellent <laughs> and he was telling people to look out yeah but that's just common sense that's nothing to do with uh, the movie the Batman he was carrying that around when he was doing Twilight to sum up the three plans. Turner's plan was simply to use hobos. Well, kidnap them. Yeah. Then we had Steiner's plan, who was going to seduce an airline pilot, perform an emergency landing in the Bermuda Triangle, and harvest hundreds of passengers because the authorities would not dare venture into said triangle. I think we all accept that, right? We accept that to be true. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, we had Craig's plan, which was to specifically capture Robert Pattinson to put the Armitages 
brain into because he was rich. And so that would conclude the need to coagulate. Is that right? Well, for for his lifetime, you wouldn't need to continue with the auctions because you're already rich. Mm. He's one of the richest people under 35. <laughs> and uh, he's kept himself in shape. So you got that going for you. And he's known for being a bit out there. So you could carry on with your normal personality <laughs> and nobody would be any the wiser. This is who trying to give the hard sell. It's a hard one this week. I think, actually... I am going to award the winner this week to Steino. Well deserved. Easily the best plan. I'd say so. No one's going into the Bermuda Triangle. It's terrifying. Simple, elegant, delightful. Factually accurate. No, no. (laughs) So Steino, what's the film that you're picking for next week's show? The film I'm picking for next week's show is, drumroll please. That's a horse. <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, my goodness. Oh, very good. Very good. I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. And I certainly haven't tell seen me. it for oh, years. Shit. <laughs> I haven't seen it for about 20 years. I'm looking forward to it. I watched it about four weeks ago. You did? I oh. watched it again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's a good film. I'll watch it again. <laughs> And that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you might get your podcasts from. It would also help to tell your friends in person and on social media. Help spread the word. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod and on Facebook at Diabolical. Until next time. Ta-da!